Welcome to the St. Clair College Women in STEM Speaker Series Podcast. I'm your host, Sue Taylor, and I am the Program Manager of Innovation, Entrepreneurship, and Student Experience at the Genesis Entrepreneurship Centre, located in Windsor, Ontario, Canada. This podcast was developed to highlight women who have excelled in male-dominated industries and environments, women who are leaders, and women who serve to inspire and act as role models and mentors to young women, which we like to refer to as STEM champions. STEM stands for Science, Technology, Engineering and Math, and has most recently included Entrepreneurship and Manufacturing. Our goal is to support and foster these women and show that then they can accomplish all they set out to achieve and then some. Stay tuned to learn more about women working in STEM, their journeys, their challenges, their accomplishments, and so much more. This is the Women in STEM Speaker Series Podcast. Today's guest on the St. Clair College STEM Speaker Series is an experienced entrepreneur and one of the founders of technology solutions company, Radix Incorporated, which merged with Active Industrial Solutions Automation Division and is now known as AIS Technologies Group. She was the recipient of the Athena Award in 2016 for her work supporting women in science, technology, engineering, and math careers. In 2019, she was recognized by Automotive News as one of the Canadians to watch in the automotive industry. She is the chair of the Automate Canada Industry Association and is on the Leadership Council for Prosperous, which is a regional cradle-to-career transformation initiative. You can also find her contributing as co-chair of the Leamington Community Working Group, the uh, Automation and Robotics Advisory Board for NGen Supercluster. I would like to offer a warm welcome to today's special guest, uh, Shelley Fellows, Chair of Automate Canada. Welcome, Shelley. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Susan. I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Oh, absolutely. Well, let's jump right in. Please tell us about yourself. You know, the typical question, where did you grow up? What schools you attended? Uh, your life, what it's like along the way and how you became an entrepreneur? Well, I, uh, I'm a Windsor girl. I was uh, born in Windsor. My father worked for Hiram Walker his entire career. Uh, so Canadian club has featured heavily in my life over the years. We moved around a fair amount because of his work with Hiram Walker. We were fortunate enough to move out to British Columbia. I spent, uh, I don't know, probably 10 years out in British Columbia. They moved us over to France. So we got to experience what it was like to live in a beautiful community in France uh, because of the connection with uh, Courvoisier Cognac. I actually did my last high, a year of high school in France, which was one of the most difficult things I've ever done in my life. One of. Done a lot of tough things, but that was one of them. I went to the University of Windsor, did a couple of degrees at the University of Windsor, and then immediately after graduation from my um, MBA, my master's in business admin, uh, I was married. And my husband and I put most of our belongings into storage, packed up our clothes and our bicycles, and moved over to Germany. That was uh, in pursuit of a a job uh, for him. He had a job offer with a um, manufacturing company over in Germany. And uh, being the entrepreneurial folks we are, we said, let's go, let's take this opportunity and live this experience and see where life takes us. And really, you know, that's that's been, when you say entrepreneurial, that's really been my attitude uh, throughout my life. So, you know, people talk about luck. I look at the opportunity and the choices that we have in front of us. And we're called to make small and big choices every day. Uh, and some of them, you know, you you don't even realize where it's where it could possibly take you. But the important thing has always been to me to to make a choice. In other words, where possible, don't just look at life and say this is what's been handed to me. You have to look at it and say how I'm going to 
What choice am I going to make here? What control do I have over this? And how am I going to move forward with this? So when we was presented with the opportunity to take a new job and leave Canada and leave everything that we knew behind, leave our language behind, we said, absolutely, uh, and went off and did that. And it was really a, a turning point for us because while we were in Germany, we developed the um, concept that became Radix. So you're fluent in English, French, and German. Is this what you're telling me? Um, I speak enough German to order a beer and a schnitzel and to thank people. So the, you know, the basics, the important basics. Um, the thing when we were in Germany, everyone wanted to practice their English with us. <laughs> so oh, we actually didn't have much of an opportunity to, to uh, speak much German. Well, and good for you for, you know, taking those chat, those chances. And I, I couldn't agree uh, with you more. I'm, very much about saying yes to things mm-hmm. and that's how opportunities arise and you know look mm-hmm. look at where that uh, brought you so can you talk a little bit exactly about what does radix do which which is now ais technologies group but um you know you've received over the years uh, the company several innovation awards mm-hmm. and can you talk about a little bit of what they do and and you know what where those awards came from mm-hmm. So we we started the company because, and so think about this, um, back in 1994. So we started the company with a firm belief that um, computer technology was going to transform manufacturing. It hadn't started yet back then. It was just like little bits, uh, little things that suddenly you'd see on a on a plant floor. And the reason why it was interesting to us was uh, my husband's experience when he graduated from university. Um, He has uh, always been a techie. I like to call them propeller heads, a little bit. Uh, He's a bit of a nerd. And nerds are cool, man. Nerds are cool. Nerds are cool. That's the best thing in my world. He's ahead of his time. He, he very much is and always has been. Uh, and so, you know, we, we both firmly believe that there was a lot of opportunity within that sector and a lot of really engaging things that could happen. Um, so while we were in, in Germany, uh, he both he and I got to a point with um, our jobs, with our careers, where we said it's time for a change. Um, it was also a point in our family life because we had had our first child. And think about this one, that was back before email was uh, commonly used. And so to get a hold of our family, to call my mother at, you know, two in the morning to say she's crying and she won't stop. I literally had to pick up the phone and we had horrendous uh, phone bills to say nothing of the fact that you you needed to get a hold of somebody like so. Um, we said both professionally and personally, it was the right time to come back to Canada. And we really strongly wanted to pursue this idea because you asked me what Radix did and what AS Technologies does. We wanted to pursue the opportunities to apply technology in really interesting ways to manufacturing. And, and Basically, that's what the company does. They use tools and products like robotics and machine vision and artificial intelligence and advanced software and all kinds of computer gadgets and things. And and we have some really incredibly smart people. But essentially, every day, they solve problems for manufacturing using technology. So our systems, our products, and our you know our our systems that we've developed and our software that we've developed over the years, for which we've received awards, um, are used at companies who, um, you know, bake bread and make uh, jet aircraft, and certainly automotive companies, um, pharmaceutical companies, nuclear reactors, like just. All ranges. Everything Mm -hmm. um, that is manufactured is the space in which we got to work and solve problems. And it was fascinating. Fascinating. 
So it seems like your husband has kind of led you to this space of technology <laughs> through the past. So did you see yourself in that early on? You just, again, it sounds like, did you just go with it as the doors opened, you followed? How did that work out? Mm-hmm. Well, I think, you know, one of the things uh, when people talk about entrepreneurs, they have that image of someone who's, you know, incredibly passionate about something that's completely unknown or novel or something to us, we just don't even understand the passion for it. But in order to, to be a success, my opinion is you can't just have a passion or a technology uh, expertise in something. You have to know as well how to run a business, how to market a business and, and how to sell your products and, and deal with things that are can change and are super complex. So I always wanted, one of the reasons why I went on and and did my MBA is I wanted to get involved in business. Mm -hmm. And I knew because of my background, my my, uh, undergrad is in biology. So I'm a STEM person, Mm -hmm. like science, technology, engineering, math, that's my thing. Mm -hmm. And so I knew I wanted to be involved in a business that that supported that. So um, when Ross started off on his career, so my husband, when he started off on his career path, he actually had done none of the technology things. In fact, in spite of the fact that he is brilliant uh, in terms of computer technology and and industrial automation and all that kind of stuff, his um, degrees are, he has a Bachelor of Science in uh, Biology, and a BA in geography. And the research work he did was in the Arctic on little teeny tiny birch trees. <laughs> so, you know, you'd look at his background and say, oh, guys like an ecologist or something, I don't know. But through everything, he was always super passionate about computers, always had a computer. Again, back in the day when it was crazy, the things that we did, the things we got excited about. Um, and so his very first uh, position out of university was a position with a manufacturer. And it was working in their research facility because they wanted people who had a, a bit of a technology background to work and, and, and test out new automation technologies. So he was assigned to this particular equipment that had a computer in it, like 1994, 1993, remember that. Yeah. Sorry, 1990 had a computer in it and it was like super exciting because it had this personal computer with windows in it. Um, he hacked into that software. So he figured it out, went into the software and in preparation for a tour of the facility by some head honchos at, uh, at that time it was Ford Motor Company. So these, you know, very important people mm-hmm. from Ford Motor Company were coming for a tour and he went into the software and figured out how to have a photo open up. Uh, and so did that when the group came through for their tour, cause he's showing them equipment and then he makes the photo come up and everyone laughs. Cause it's like, wow, it's so amazing. And in the back of the group was this quiet man who was wearing kind of weird clothes. Uh, And after they left, he came back around and tapped Ross on the shoulder and pointed at the name on the machine, which was Lempy. And so he pointed at the name and he said, that is me. Come on. So the, the man who introduced himself was Yogi Lempi, who was the owner of this German company who made this really innovative uh, equipment for um, foundry, uh, for casting, uh, which, you know, it's a bit of an oxymoron, innovative equipment for <laughs> foundries, but it's, it's the thing and they are, and there is like technology is everywhere in manufacturing. So he, he said, I want to take you for lunch. So he, he, they met for lunch the next day. And at lunch, 24 hours later, Yogi offered Ross a job and said, I want you to come to Germany. I want you to lead my software team. Uh, and I want you to help me do really great things and innovative things um, in the world of foundries. So that was what the opportunity to move to Germany that Ross and I had. 
So he took something. I mean, he had this path. He also, you know, he went, he's a, he's an alum of Sinclair College, actually. Yes. He went, he, yes. But like <laughs> vet tech, he went through the vet tech program. Um, he was in the Canadian Air Force uh, for a year because he wanted to fly jet aircraft. And so he got accepted into the Canadian Air Force and did basic training for a year. Uh, and then decided that wasn't for him. And then he's got these completely unrelated uh, university degrees. But through it all, he has something that was a passion for him. And that was software and computers. And and he had an opportunity. First, he you know did something kind of fun and interesting and, and caught the eye of Yogi Lempi. But then he also took a risk because he'd never been formally trained mm-hmm. in any kind of computer engineering or software development or computer science, not at all. Um, he took a risk because he was moving, you know, across the world um, to work in German, which he didn't speak. Mm-hmm. And his, his first day at work, he sat down and went, okay, not quite sure what to do or how to do it, but I'm going to make a change. I'm going to make an impact at this company because this man has confidence in me. So somebody saw qualities, Yogi saw qualities in him and that passion for technology and took a risk on him. And when that happens in your life, if you have the ability to act on it and if you make those decisions, right, whether you're saying yes or no or not right now, it can lead to things that are absolutely transformative. And so for us, it was moving to Germany. But when we moved to Germany and he gained all kinds of experience, we were then in a position, going back to your original question, we were then in a position to say, we can do even more. Like we can we can have a, even a bigger impact on manufacturing. Yes, we're working in the foundry sector and there's a lot of really neat things going on here, but we can do more. We can affect manufacturing as a whole. And I think that is so important in that, again, look at between the two of you, the amount of diversity in just your education and your experiences and your passion worked perfectly as, you know, you know, partners in this business. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, there's so much there that you just that you touched on. Um, so, again, the importance of it being your passion, I think that's, it makes it easy when it's passion, when you're learning something that you're not really interested in, you know, sometimes that happens when we're in during our education, but if there's something you're passionate about, mm-hmm. you know, you can just go to the moon because it's easy for you because you're really interested in and want to do it. So exactly. again, following that again, saying yes, and doing things like that. The nice thing is of him moving to Germany, uh, when you're dealing with computers, code is not in any language. It's in its own no. language. So he, it's, Everyone he spoke can speak it. Basic. Yeah. But taking that chance of putting up a photo, something so random, anyway, yeah. and just, you know, doing something different to get noticed. That's, that's, mm-hmm. that's a great story. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so you've had a lot of incredible experience. So what, what would you say is, you know, we always talk about, we're trying to promote younger women to choosing STEM careers and doing mm-hmm. things like skill trades and getting into manufacturing. And so we talk about what's the coolest part of your, of your uh, profession or your industry that you've seen, um, you know, speaking to somebody who is say, you know, uh, 16 or 17 and deciding where they're going to go with their education. Um, what is something cool about your industry that would, would entice them to do that? Do you think? Hmm. I think there are so many really cool things about manufacturing and about automation and the technology of you know making the things that make the things to mm-hmm. borrow a phrase from automate canada you know you don't you don't imagine it as an environment where there's a lot of computers and a lot of technology but there are and so when someone is thinking about career opportunities and where, you know, they're in high school and they're trying to decide what comes next for them. The choices, the opportunities, engine or manufacturing is not just about engineering. It's about electricians and robotics technicians and designers. So that's electrical designers, controls designers, mechanical designers. So mm-hmm. You've got these people who have to come together, the designers with the builders, and then the programmers who have to 
kind of make everything work. It's absolutely, it, it gives me goosebumps. It, when I walked in to our shop floor and knowing the work that goes into that, that path from having a concept, just an idea, you know, we could build this mm-hmm. um, that will accomplish these things and solve this problem for a manufacturer. We're going to solve the problem of gumming up the equipment that makes gummy bears. Mm-hmm. It's a real problem. It's an expensive problem because they make hundreds of thousands of gummy bears a day. And so if the equipment gets gummed up, they're not making hundreds of thousands of gummy bears. And I get really mad because we can't buy the gummy bears. So when you have all of those things that have to happen, it has to transform from scratches on a whiteboard to the design in, in solid works for the physical equipment, to the electrical design and the controls and, and then robotics. And then when they start layering in the software and they start building it, it would give me goosebumps every time to see the equipment start up, start moving and start ticking away, showing you what it's supposed to show you on the screen. It's just amazing. And I know that um, I've had some other uh, guests on the on the show, and they they've talked about you know the working as engineers, and then later they see the final product, and they're like you know that there's that pride in that. It's like I was a part of that. That happened because of me. So mm-hmm. and that whole team coming together. Mm-hmm. So how do we get more women involved? Like as these programmers, designers, and in robotics and manufacturing space, how do we encourage them? you know, uh, and I guess make it click like somehow it did for you. I think now there's a lot of pressure for students who are, um, I've got a 17 year old daughter. She's trying to decide what she's going to take. And there's so much pressure. And they think that if they make this decision, it's where they have to be for the rest of their life. And I'm trying to explain, no, you're, you're going to transition. You're just, you're going to follow the path, but pick something you like (laughs) so that, and something that you can make a living off of, uh, Mm -hmm. to get there. So, you know, we, we have, Automotive is changing. Um, you know, there's right now uh, the, all the talk is automobility, especially in our region. We're trying to become this automobility capital of Canada. Mm-hmm. And so how do we get to that that next level and and, you know, get women involved in this more women involved? Because I know that you have probably spent a lot of time with a lot of men working with a lot of men and very few women. So how do we get women involved in this in this industry? Mm-hmm. I wish I wish I had a really like do this and it'll be fixed overnight. I and wish you did too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, as with anything, it's it's a process. So we have to celebrate the successes for women in manufacturing. We have some amazing women who are doing incredible technology things. And it's not just leading teams, but the hands-on stuff. They are doing it. They are showing up. They're, they've got an enthusiasm and a passion, and they're making things happen as part of a team. So when you have people who look like you on the team, it helps you have confidence within that team, right? So it establishes some, breaks down some barriers to communication. Um, and so it's, it'll be, it is, and it has been, because I've been doing this now for a long time, it's <laughs> been a process and we have to support, but you also have to recognize, and this is for whether it's male or female, but you have to recognize that really you have to feel good about what you're doing at work. You've mm-hmm. got to feel good with your career choice. and there were not always days when I would go into work and I would feel good about what I was doing. There mm-hmm. were challenges. Maybe it was my kids were sick or I was worried about something else. You know, my head and my heart were not in the game that day. But I worked with people who could recognize that in me and and help me focus. An unintended side benefit of working with your husband who would walk <laughs> by and go, hey, what's up with you? But other people <laughs> who would 
help, help me focus and help me, you know, kind of shake it off and get back in or be that mentor for me, you know, whether it was a formal mentor or informal, someone I could talk to, pick up the phone for, send a quick email to, whatever. Um, someone I could reach out to and just say, hey, I'm frustrated with this particular thing or what do you think of that? Just to help me get back on track. So we have to be cognizant, male and female. We have to be cognizant of our role to support people in our workplaces. And that includes supporting the women who are choosing to come into or make that particular STEM career their path. The other thing, like you said, it's not, you don't have to jump into it fully formed. I mean, mm-hmm. for goodness sake, I was a biology person who studied genetics and then went into business and manufacturing. And my husband was a whole bunch of stuff, none of which specifically trained him for his career path. But we, each of us learned things and learned some skills, but also learned things about ourselves. Mm -hmm. So we knew it helps you make those decisions later on when you know what makes you feel really good and what you just dread or you just don't even want to have to deal with. I'm not a, I'm not a um, mechanical tool person. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's a problem, if there's something that that needs to be taken apart and put back together again, I'll do it. But I'll end up with spare pieces, and it's not going to work right because I just <laughs> it doesn't work in my brain. Mm-hmm. That's okay because there are people who are brilliant at that kind of stuff, and and so you know, there's lots of different skill sets. At the end of the day, someone who's brilliant at taking stuff apart, figuring it out and putting it back together even better than it was, is not going to be like me, really happy, talking to people, communicating, talking about our feelings, working on spreadsheets, you know, presenting strategic plans, doing sales like that's they don't want to do that. And I'm not super comfortable doing what's their strength. You have to be honest with yourself about it Mm -hmm. because you're going to be in your career for 30 years, 40 Mm -hmm. years, Mm -hmm. maybe longer. You want to be doing something that on most days when you wake up, you're like, yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait to get there and, and start back at whatever it was that I finished the day before. So absolutely important. And I, I think I we talk about, um, you know, with the Genesis Center, talking about entrepreneurship, and I always, we have a test that they can do to see if they have the qualities of an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And I say to them, if you do the test, and you don't do well in the test, don't worry, because mm-hmm. the whole part of being an entrepreneur, you can have an idea, and hire the people to f- fulfill it. So I can have a mobile app idea, but I haven't got a clue about coding, but I can hire somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked in the uh, healthcare industry before and as an entrepreneur. And so, you know, seeing if you look at a dentist or a doctor or a chiropractor, they all come out of school, mm-hmm. but they are all automatically business owners. <laughs> Typically, they're running a business, even if it's under the guise of somebody else, but they're, they don't have the business background. You hire mm-hmm. somebody, hire an office manager to take that. Mm-hmm. So you talked about mentors a little bit. Um, so this is, I like, this is sort of the part where you can kind of thank the people that (laughs) mentored you. Cause sometimes you have mentors that unknowingly have mentored you. Um, so did you have anybody that sort of guided you besides your husband, who was, uh, very much clearly a support for you? Um, cause you know, we talk about the importance of mentorship and, you know, do you have anybody that was, and how did that shape you as a leader? Mm -hmm. Well, mostly. The people who I relied on as mentors knew that I relied on them. So Ross and I were really lucky because we had a partner. Um, his name is Nick Dimitrov. And so he was, we were like a triangle of, of complementary skill sets. And we would mentor each other. You know, we would back and forth. We each had... Um, certain aspects of the company that we had greater strengths for. And 
we were typically pretty successful at making decisions and moving forward on the right path because we were able to kind of put our egos to the side, mm-hmm. talk about things, listen to each other, um, and and make really typically pretty good decisions moving forward. We also made some terrible decisions, but that's okay. You learn. Working Um, with partners is a very important piece of that. Having a partner that you can, you know, in anything relationship or business, it's the same thing. You have to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We also, when we uh, started the company, we had invited um, each of our parents. So my father and Ross's father to be on our board of directors. So, you know, it's one thing to grow up with your parents giving you advice through your, you know, your childhood and your teenager. Um, But then also having them on a board of directors was really interesting because you're able to take that image of someone who's your parent, Mm -hmm. you know, your dad who occupies a certain place in like your mind and your heart, but Mm -hmm. you know, like they have a particular place in your life. And then to see them as a business person. Um, and the unique set of qualities and skills that they have was really quite interesting. What it meant was there were no family dinners where we didn't talk about work. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and and yet at the same time, you know, the two of them, and again, coming at it from very different backgrounds and things that they did in their careers, were really, really remarkable advisors to us. So we uh, appreciated there were certainly challenges again no family dinners that didn't include talk about the company but at the same time they were really great um, sort of advisors and mentors for us yeah and that's wonderful too and I think you should it's so nice to hear that very often people will say that their parents were you know kind of their their biggest cheerleaders or their mentors but to work with them too that's uh mm-hmm. that's a great experience that's not that's not normally the case that that, uh, that we hear about so you've served on several boards uh and committees i mentioned some a little bit in the intro but uh you've been with we tech alliance workforce windsor essex windsor economic development corporation uh the chamber of commerce so and now you're part of Automate Canada. So these are a lot of the people that are in the space that I work in uh, through work at the college. So uh, I, you know it's great to hear that. So so how do you think? How do you feel community involvement has and 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 networking because you're networking when you're attending you know these meetings and functions for them. Um, how do you feel that that has impacted you as becoming you know the leader that you are? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's. It's not only the kind of civic responsibility, giving of yourself to the community, volunteership, which I think is actually an obligation of everyone, but, uh, and the the networking, getting to build your circle of contacts and the people you meet and the friendships that you develop over the years. But it's also an absolutely amazing learning opportunity. So one of the challenges being in a small business where you're super busy Mm -hmm. and you have kind of a defined role, right? Within the organization is that you learn a lot about the things that are in your silo, Mm -hmm. but you don't have a lot of time for professional development and you don't even really talk about it because you're just really Mm -hmm. busy running the business and Mm -hmm. doing business things. So it was hard for us. We always tried and, and we would actively carve out time for kind of professional leadership development activities for the three of us and we certainly emphasized it with uh, our teams but you know it, it can be really difficult to to carve out that time and so an extra benefit of community involvement was the opportunity I had to learn I had you know everything from what is workforce development right like what workforce about what's <laughs> and and so learning about all that how how the various layers of the municipal provincial federal governments work how our trade relationships work how our you know supply chains work from a manufacturing perspective and then how to run 
uh, a not-for-profit and how to effectively run the governance aspect of a not-for-profit. So right. being on, in many of the organizations, I was on the board of directors. Mm-hmm. So you learn a lot about governance um, and, and how important it is to manage the risk and opportunity and everything about an, a not-for-profit organization. So I continue to, to be involved. There's lots of other things that aren't on my bio because, you know, really, there's no point. But, and <laughs> I continue to do it because I enjoy it. I enjoy learning new things. I enjoy working with people who have kind of a common interest and passion, you know, whether it is workforce development or economic development or the industrial automation sector, um, everything to gardening. I mean, I've recently, because I did retire two years ago, almost two years Mm -hmm. ago, March Mm -hmm. 2020, just like COVID. Oh, smart, smart, smart. Um, but so I've got extra time and I've, I've, uh, joined an, an organization called Master Gardeners and I'm doing, um, education to be a Master Gardener. So it's a, an education component to it. It'll be a couple of years in classes. So, uh, you know, like that's not automation and that's, but it does. The learning never stops. I know it goes back to my biology roots. And it's also part of that, that passion because. It is something you're passionate. So now you can take that time during your retirement to, uh, to look at that. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, on that note, if anyone's considering, if anyone yeah. is like, should I volunteer? I don't know if I should volunteer. Oh, I can't swear. I was going to say, hell yes. Absolutely. You can say whatever you want to say, Shelly. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and again, I would agree with you. We're looking at trying to, I'm constantly trying to tell the students you need to volunteer because that's the thing that, People, they look at that, you know, doing, and it, and then there's a sense of, um, you know, there is a reward in that and, you know, feeling good that you're part of something bigger, you know, it's, so, it's outside so of many, so many, mm-hmm. so many benefits to it. Um, and when you're younger in your career, uh, because, you know, it's a certain level, there are volunteers who are typically later in their careers. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, so when you're involved, when you're younger, it can also give you a bit of a leg up. So you're meeting people Mm -hmm. who are later on in their careers. They've got more senior leadership roles. They've got maybe some weight behind their name and their opinion. Isn't that amazing to have on your resume as a reference or someone who can give you that, um, hand up with a position in their organization. Yeah. I mean, I've certainly done it. And, you know, all of that provided references, helped somebody out, found a position for them because they impressed me so much in their volunteer activities that mm-hmm. I thought I just need to have this person working with me. Like I just really need them. Yeah. And so it's not, you know, just whatever, showing up and handing out food or whatever it it really is getting in working really hard and um again meeting the people and getting involved and being genuinely engaged and interested in what's going on in the organization Mm -hmm. it'll take you far yeah networking and they can find a mentor too in that you can absolutely find someone to connect you for a job find a mentor so many benefits to it Mm -hmm. um aside from you know just showing up like you say so Mm -hmm. you have retired we always talk about sort of that work-life balance i feel like this question would have been very different to ask of you several years ago when you're sitting at the dinner table with your parents (laughs) (laughs) having these work conversations with your husband as well (laughs) Uh, so besides gardening, anything else or that you did in the past that, that you used to make sure that you did not become overwhelmed uh, in this process called life? Yeah, it's really hard as an entrepreneur. I mean, it is. It takes over your life. And your business is, you know, I, I used to kind of laugh a little bit when people would say, oh, you're in business for yourself. And I'm like, are you kidding it's the hardest I've ever worked ever. And I've done some pretty hard things in my life. It's the hardest <laughs> I've ever worked. It never stops. I love it. But it's, and bosses, you don't think I have a boss? I have, you know, however many 
employees and customers who are the boss of me. I report to them. And so there's a there's a lot that that's on you as an entrepreneur and you can absolutely be single-minded about your business and exclude everything else including your own and the or your own um, physical and mental health as well as the physical and mental health of the people around you who you love and you don't want to do that. So for example yoga is something that um, has uh, been pretty important to me. I continue to practice yoga now. It's a it's an opportunity for me to just carve out a quiet space and um, kind of focus on what's going on both in my head as well as my body. Um, plus, I've had some great yoga adventures, did yoga retreat to Bali. So, woo, fun. Come on. And, yeah. Love it. And, uh, but, it, you know, that as well as certainly um, outdoor spaces. So being in the outdoors, I would characterize both my husband and myself as outdoor people, in spite of the fact that we spent and continue to spend a lot of our career in front of computers we uh, were outdoor people. And so camping and cottaging and being on the water, um, being outside is something that's really important. If I can't get outside, my mental health suffers. And and, I, and that's, uh, I mean, I go outside in the wintertime, mm-hmm. uh, as well as when it's beautiful and sunny and warm out. But um, yeah, if I can't get outside, my mental health suffers. So we're really lucky to live in a region where we've got some remarkable outdoor spaces, like not just run of the mill outdoor parks and stuff, but like remarkable mm-hmm. point Peely, um, kind of outdoor spaces that are so beautiful and, and these incredible bodies of water around us. So um, we're, and it's not a huge urban area, right? Like you can drive for 20 minutes and have dark skies and look at the stars, which is kind of cool. So we are uh, really fortunate in where we've chosen to live and to raise our family. And, and that's the other thing, just being able to um, spend the time and actually be present with our family. I mean, our children and our parents um, and our extended family, um, we're present for them. And that's a choice. It is nice because, again, like you say about the spaces, we can go. We did Togermory, like... Mm it's mind blowing what you can see there and just, you know, being up North and we are so, so close that we can be in Michigan and Mm -hmm. go to places in Michigan. So I'm like you, I like that to, to be outside and, Mm -hmm. you know, getting a dog during (laughs) COVID was the best, you know, greatest thing because it forces me to go walk at least a couple times a day, even when I would normally be sitting at the computer. So, uh, you know, great advice for sure. So, Uh, On that, do you have any, as we wrap up, just some last minute advice. It's always kind of finish up with this is for women in our STEM club. This is kind of what this uh, podcast started out for is uh, something for them. You know, something that you would tell 19 year old Shelly, knowing if you knew then what you know now, what would you tell yourself? Well, I think, you know, one of the pieces of advice that I already said is make decisions. So when you come to a decision, make a decision. And it's, again, it's not always, yes, I'm going to take this opportunity or I'm going to do this thing or no, I'm not going to. Um, a, de- a decision is also making no decision, but don't just ignore it. Mm-hmm. Don't just try and push it to the side and to, uh, try it. face it, face it. The, the worst things that you could possibly imagine are mostly in your head. Mm-hmm. And, and it's your head that will um, defeat you, right? Like your doubts and your lack of confidence. And, uh, you know, maybe I don't have the right skills. Maybe I shouldn't apply for this job. Maybe I shouldn't take the opportunity that's been given to me by my employer. Maybe, I, you know, maybe I'm not the right person for this particular class or, or series of courses put those voices, listen to them, but like mute them a little bit and think about what's going to really make you feel energized, enthusiastic and engaged in your life and then be brave. And it's not the kind of brave, like, Ooh, charging into battle kind of brave. That's not brave. That's kind of stupid. Actually brave is when you do have those voices, when you do have those doubts and yet still you're brave enough to say, I hear you but I'm going to take this chance. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take this risk. 
Because mm-hmm. the worst thing that's going to happen is I might not be successful. Mm-hmm. The best thing that's going to happen is I'm going to learn a lot. I'm going to learn a lot. Mm-hmm. And to me, life really is about learning and being able to kind of recognize that we all have an impact on the world. And whether that impact is really measurable, because you can say, oh, I did you know, all this volunteer stuff. And I did this. I did that. I did this with the company. That's that's kind of measurable stuff. But then there's the intangibles, the things that you don't even know that suddenly you've made an impact on somebody's life. And remember that as as an entrepreneur, I said some days I really my head was not in it. My head nor my heart was really into work. You know what? We need support, too. Mm -hmm. And that really you know, it could be that really terrific employee or that person who's just kind of quietly working away at something. And then they bring it forward. And you're like, I am so lucky to work with you. I am so lucky to have you on my team. You just, you know, made my day. You just gave me a new perspective. You just gave me some new energy and enthusiasm about that. So remember that, you know, it's, it's not about simply the things that are happening to you, but then that effect that you have back out there again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's Be funny right. because, uh, and I couldn't agree with you more. I had, when I said that I'm having Shelly telling some people that I was having Shelly fellows on my uh, podcast, the response that I got was just like, Oh my God, you're going to love her. You know, <laughs> she's uh, you know, that how much they look up to you and how much, and I, I think it shows that you're a good leader because you are, when you're acknowledging people that are doing work and being successful and it's so important um, and in, in being a good leader, I think. And I love that you exemplify that. And, and that was a great story to, uh, to finish off with. So uh, we always do at the very end, we have some, just some rapid fire questions off the cuff, not too hard, right. don't think too much. Uh, <laughs> so do, are you someone who makes new year's resolutions or do you just let it fly and just live that way all the time? <laughs> I do not make New Year's resolutions because Just, I never. I when I did, I'd be like, "Oh, I'm gonna do this," and then, and then I wouldn't, just, and then I'd be mad at myself. I don't. <laughs> it's not worth being mad at yourself. There you go. Um, I'm not sure. You mentioned that you do yoga, but my my question was cardio versus weights. What do you? Oh mean? God, yoga, yoga. <laughs> <laughs> I realized that after we should have had that as an option too. <laughs> uh, online shopping or in a store? Do you like brick and mortar or are you like online? I know I, I've always been a brick and mortar kind of person. I like to look at it. I like to feel it. I like whatever it is, sit on the sofa, look at the sweater. I, I like that. However, with the pandemic. Yeah. I've by necessity had to go online and really had some catastrophes, I might say. Oh, um, yeah. So you had hundred percent brick and mortar. Okay. Uh, you, uh, you may have already answered this earlier, but favorite subject in high school. <laughs> oh, in high school. I don't even remember. <laughs> I hated physics. I can remember that. Ooh, physics. Ooh. Oh, statistics. <sighs> No, um, I, uh, you know, I, <laughs> I didn't have favorite subjects as much as I had favorite teachers. Okay. Like I had favorite teachers and they were usually the ones who were really engaged with the students, um, or the, you know, the coaches and things like that. So if they were interested in what they were teaching, I was really interested in it. So let's change the question. Favorite teacher. High school. Uh, uh, um, like well, a shout I, out. <laughs> <laughs> well, remember, I, I I moved around a lot. Oh, true. Shout outs to teachers. It's, I I did go to Belver High School for two years, and so it's still one of those circumstances where I'll meet somebody and they'll, they'll be like, "Hmm, your name's really familiar to me." But you know, did you go to high school in British Columbia by any chance, or was it Ontario? <laughs> all right last one but it was the ones who were engaged and who really enjoyed teaching and that was yeah that was always the best experience again that whole coming back to loving what you do if they love what you do it it radiates onto other people as well right yeah all right last question your favorite board game 
Oh, huh. well, not, talking, not on your computer, your phone. We're not no. <laughs> like a board, actual physical board game. So we play, we play board games because, you know, we cottage and we mm-hmm. camp. So it's not always a computer thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we uh, just learned a new game that's uh, really interesting called Sequence. Yeah, I have that mm-hmm. It's a great game. That one. Yeah. And uh, we do love cards. Mm-hmm. So not maybe we do board games, but cards. Euchre mm-hmm. is something that we really enjoy playing. It's very Windsor. Euchre. No. Everybody in Windsor plays Euchre. I learned at Belver High School. So in the yeah. two years at Belver High School, one of the things that really, you know, I learned a lot was Euchre. Yeah, Euchre. And then now apparently everybody plays pickleball here too. <laughs> That's the new thing. Have you tried this? <laughs> I haven't tried it. No, me either. I'm recording, <laughs> so I'm not going to tell you my opinion of pickleball. <laughs> That'll be that's for another another day, another story. <laughs> oh, that's great. Thank you so much, Shelly. Again, and uh, thank you to everyone for supporting the uh, St. Clair College, the Genesis Entrepreneurship Center, and Women in STEM. Uh, special thank you once again to our, our guest today, Shelly Fellows, who chair of Automate Canada, uh, sharing her wisdom, her passion, and most certainly uh, her commitment to women in STEM. So Thank you so much, Shelly. This has been a pleasure uh, kind of getting to know you and sort of an insight. And, uh, you know, the people I spoke to earlier, they were certainly right uh, that uh, you are an amazing individual. And I'm so happy to have you uh, uh, join us today. So thank you again. Thank you, Susan. Thank you for tuning in to the St. Clair College Women in STEM Speaker Series podcast highlighting women trailblazers who have excelled in male-dominated industries and environments. If you're a St. Clair College student who would like more information on the Women in STEM Club, or you're a woman working in STEM or a leader in your field and are interested in being featured on our podcast or acting as a mentor for one of the incredible young women in our STEM Club, you can email us at stem at stclaircollege.ca to sign up. Be sure to connect with us on social media at St. Clair Genesis. For more information on the Genesis Entrepreneurship Center or for details on our workshops and entrepreneurial resources, you can visit our website at www.stclaircollege.ca slash genesis. If you'd like this episode, please make sure to let us know by leaving a review and don't forget to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. Thank you so much for joining us and supporting St. Clair College, the Genesis Entrepreneurship Center, and women in STEM. Until next time.